0: I am uh, thankful to be back and thankful that our team has been leading us through the book of James. Have you enjoyed our team? Haven't they done a good job? Even my friend Chris from Coeur d'Alene coming over and preaching. I just love all those guys and so thankful for them. Devin, one of our elders here, preached. Uh, I mean, it's been cool to see, uh, hear about, I haven't seen it, but hear about how awesome God has been using each of them as I've been gone and so... Uh, I'm excited for today. We're in James chapter 3. We're studying through the book of James uh, this summer and excited about what God has been saying and um, want to pray and just prepare our hearts for today. So if you've got a Bible, Bible app on your phone, would you grab that? Turn to James chapter 3. If you aren't familiar with the Bible, you're looking at the table of contents, Google it, ask a neighbor, uh, do whatever you've got to do. Get to James 3. We've got notes on your way in, so you can fill those out as well uh, as we go along. We are talking about an awesome conversation today about taming your tongue. James calls it a restless evil. Awesome. Okay, this is going to be good. So um, take careful notes, and uh, hopefully God will speak to all of us, and it's going to be a good time. Let's pray, and let's look to God's Word. Lord, we come to you now, and we are anticipating your work in each of our hearts, God. I know some of us came in kind of hard-hearted, Lord, and we need you to just soften us up right now, and so we ask you to do that. Some of us are very distracted, so we just ask you to focus our, our minds and our attention. Jesus, we want to give you our full hearts, our full attention. Some of us don't know you, Holy Spirit, and so we just invite you to make yourself present and known right now, God, that you would convict, you would lead, you would encourage, you would speak powerfully in this time, Jesus. We just surrender to you and trust you to make your presence known here, God. We love you, and we commit ourselves to you and this time to you. In Jesus' name, can you say amen this morning? Amen. Amen. Five weeks off was an awesome time uh, with my family. It it was interesting, though. You know, as you, uh, Matthew, was talking about, as as the haste of life just blows us around, uh, we're more in survival mode than we would care to admit most of the time. And I think that was true for me and my, my wife and my family. There's just been a hastiness about our life, a, a pace, a freneticness, uh, The you know leading and going, and all this stuff is happening. Uh, coming out of COVID and all the crazy last couple of years, all leaders around the world have been just kind of dominated by so many things that there's been zero margin, zero time to really deal with maybe some of the stuff below the surface of what's gone on, some of the hurts, some of the pain, some of the betrayal, some of the different pieces. And so the first like 10 days of this sabbatical was really interesting because there was a slowness and a reality check of, hey, here's what's really inside you right now that I want to deal with. I don't want to just let you kind of cruise through this as like a vacation where you just numb yourself and just go about your business and then get back to work when you're done. No, no, no. I want to heal. I want to change. I want to work. I want to do stuff. And and for my wife and I both, this is kind of like, I've met with some of our elders about a week and a half in. I'm like, guys, this isn't this is not working. <laughs> like, sabbatical? Can we? Uh, I just go back to work. This is not fun. Uh, it's a lot of work, a lot of conversation. And, and man, one of the things that I noticed, both of us in, in all these conversations, that words, we use a lot of words to talk, to connect, to converse. And a lot of times words can be tricky. Amen? We can get ourselves in a lot of trouble with what we say. We could say too much, we could say too little. We can um, say things intended to be gracious but are very offensive. Bible says that our, our tongue has the power of life and death. Think about that. It has the power, of life and death. Like you have the ability with your words to bring life or to bring death, to build up or to tear down. In fact, I think this is the tension of this conversation. When James begins to unpack this conversation about taming your tongue as a church, as a people of God, here's an assumption that he is making. He is writing to people that have surrendered themselves to Jesus. And so those that have surrendered themselves to Jesus in the room today can really connect with this. Those that are about to or contemplating that, I'm hoping that this will really connect with you on like, what kind of people are Jesus people? Jesus people care about how they use their words. When we look at Jesus as our leader, as our model, we actually are very in tune with the reality that Jesus' words were life-changing and life-giving and powerful and that he was careful. Even when he was ridiculed, betrayed, when he was slandered, Jesus didn't defend himself or attack back. We never see Jesus just flying off the handle. The things that we type, the things that we say, the way that we go, like a godly person, a person of Jesus controls their tongue. In fact, we, we take our words seriously, like this is an opportunity, my words is an opportunity for me to become more like Jesus. The problem is, many of us have never thought this way, and so we sound just like everyone else. In a world that's very um, turbulent with words right now. In a, word, in a world that, that is constantly trying to push you to have an opinion and declare your opinion and be passionate about your opinion, and if you're not listening, I'm going to be louder and meaner and harsher. Man, we have an opportunity to sound different, to look different, to be more like Jesus than the rest of the world, and this conversation is about us becoming like Jesus. Jesus. This is a conversation about us understanding that our words have power. Like, like some of us are destroying our marriages with our words. You are, you are diminishing your kids with your words. Some of, some of us are, are creating toxicity in our workplace with our words. We are perpetuating brokenness with our words. Our words have the power of life and death. The life side is you have an opportunity with your words to bring encouragement, to bring hope, to bring life, to bring joy, to bring empowerment, to to bring edification that your spouse would actually understand who they could be instead of who they used to be. That your kids would have a sense of courage because of the way that you are speaking over them, not a sense of dread and pressure because of the words that you're giving to them. There's an opportunity for our, our words to bring life. And I believe as Jesus' people, we have a responsibility, an opportunity to go, okay, James, you know, if you read James at all, the book of James, it's like intense. Like God does not mess around at all. And today is probably no exception to that. But I think it's so, so important for us just to cut through all the emotion of it, all the the things that we're kind of wrestling with, and just hear God's word in this today. So James chapter 3, let's look at verse 1 together. He says, not many of you should presume to be teachers. This is good. I like this because it's interesting. A lot of our complaining and whining comes about those that are leading or teaching or in a place of authority in our lives. And it's always this kind of presumption like, well, if I was doing it, I would do it way better. And he's like, no, none of you really should presume for that kind of a place of authority or leadership, teaching, Why?" Because, my brothers, you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. This is kind of like a humble pie moment, right? We're all kind of up on, on arms and like, I've got it all figured out. I'm going to do it right. I would, I would you know. And then and, and this is like the conversation that gets all gossipy and slandery about people in our lives or family members or whatever. And, and, and James is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. A person who uses a lot of words like a teacher... Has more opportunity to make more messes with their words. So you shouldn't presume to want that, that responsibility to have to speak to, teach, lead, because that's a big, greater, weightier responsibility. You're gonna actually be judged more strictly or harshly. I don't know how you read this. A lot of times I read it like God's gonna judge, like as a pastor, I'm, I think about it this like God's gonna judge like, how well accurately did i bring his word did i divide it correctly did i bring it well with his heart and his intent to his people or am i messing it up other times though you just think about it though, a person who's in a place of authority is not just judged by god more strictly but by everyone else more strictly everybody's got an opinion about how well they're doing how well they said it how well they didn't say it and i love this verse two we all stumble in many ways This just kind of levels the playing field as we talk about our words. You're not elbowing, you know, like, this is the greatest sermon for them. Right? I'm hoping they're taking notes right now. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, we're talking about words, If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man. Sign him up. That is amazing. Able to keep his whole body in check. This is so good because it just kind of humbles us all, levels the playing field as we head into this conversation, and it covers this conversation with a lot of grace. Everybody makes mistakes with our words. You're no exception. That every one of us has an opportunity to grow with what we say, how we say things every one of us has an opportunity just to recognize wow we all stumble in many ways and so as we come into a conversation about our words this is a great time to self-reflect and go god where do you want to grow me this is a time to put a hunger in your heart to be changed to be transformed there's a there's even going to be a sense of maybe powerlessness about this conversation oh i wish i could keep my tongue in check that's a really good feeling because that's a feeling that draws you to Jesus in desperate need of a miracle. These are all the people that got healed in Scripture are the ones that knew they needed healing. I, I love the guy at the-, at the pool. Jesus is like, hey, do you want to get well? And that question is almost in front of all of us. Do you want your heart and your words to be changed today? Or do you want to just stay a jerk, right? Do you want to just keep being mean and keep being frivolous and careless with your words? Do you actually want to be different? We all stumble in many ways, man, able to keep his whole body in check. I I love this. This is just a humbling moment. So listen, verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we could turn the whole animal. It's impressive. Big, strong, powerful horse, just a small bit in his mouth. Or take ships as an example. Even though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts, doesn't it? Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil. (laughs) Your tongue is a world of evil among the parts of the body. Ah, it's not that bad. No, it's really bad is what James is saying. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of your life on fire. Oof. And it's itself set on fire by hell. You guys are doing okay? You got really quiet. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Think of the contradiction here. Oh, praise God, you're a jerk, right? The same mouth... Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is a conversation about taming our tongue. And I really believe that um, this conversation needs to be had. I said it a moment ago. Godly people care about this conversation, and I believe as a church, those of us that have been transformed by Jesus, saved by his grace, that we understand that there is a transformation that that is taking place in our lives, and this is part of it. Our words matter. How we talk matters. How we post, how we type, how we opinionate about everything matters. And so this is a conversation that I go, okay, God, would you help us? There, there may be this sense of helplessness. It's a restless evil. <laughs> it, it sets the whole course of our life on fire. But in that, that helpless sense, God, would you bring a sense of hope? direction would you give us a sense of transformation that you want to do something supernatural with our lives God in in the way that we talk that that you and I would just have that kind of openness and expectation in our heart God do some do a miracle in us today change the way we talk so a couple of steps I I, I feel like as we were walking through this as a team that just became really clear that there's some there's some steps to help tame the tongue perfect no we get it nailed down? No, but I think that there is progress to be made for all of us. So that's where I'm coming from today. Number one is this. How do you tame the tongue? Start with less talk. Like less words. This is, this is kind of step one in the process of taming the tongue. Think of it progressively, right? Uh, more words means more messes. Just your percentages go way up with the more words you used. I love Proverbs 17. Verse 28, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. With your mouth shut, you seem intelligent, he says. <laughs> this, is, this is a starting spot for, for us is just to go, oh, man, sometimes I don't need to just say what comes into my brain. I don't need to have an opinion about everything. I don't need to make my position known on this topic. I don't need to correct their behavior in this moment. I don't need to let them know what I think they need to know. Maybe there's something that God wants to do in them, and I'm going to trust God to do that in them, and I'm just going to take my hands off the steering wheel of control and trying to figure this whole thing out and just let them and the Holy Spirit work this thing out. Amen? We are way too opinionated. We got way too many words for way too many things. Just talking less would solve a lot of things. There's kind of this magic hour at my house where everybody starts to get tired. It's like any productive conversation is not going to happen after this point. It's like go to bed (laughs) like let's just let's just go to bed because it's not gonna we we just know right we're all melting we're getting tired we just need to go to bed right now we need to use less words and not try to solve the world's problems in this moment let's just be quiet i think for for many of us just understanding like less words is a starting spot you might be the most foolish person here in this conversation and if you keep your mouth shut you're still seemed kind of wise and on Proverbs, like, is that supposed to be nice? I don't think so. I think it's supposed to be helpful, though, right? <laughs> like, oh, okay. Or look at verse 9 of that same chapter. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. This is Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever would foster love in your relationships, in your marriage, with your kids, you, you cover over an offense. But whoever repeats the matter actually separates close friends. You've been offended, you've been hurt, you've been minimized, you've been marginalized, you've been looked down on, you've been said negative things about the, the, tena- like the, the propensity of us is to go, I need to justify myself, I need to defend myself, I need to speak to that, I need to share my perspective, I need to be understood, it's to use a lot of words. What we're actually doing in that, though, is we're bringing back up the offense. We're bringing back up the thing that hurt us. We're bringing back up the broken moment. And as we are repeating it, what are we doing? We are dividing people. We are separating close friends. We are making people pick a side. We are are breaking Jesus' church. We We are dividing his church. We are breaking our marriage. We are separating ourselves from our kids. Whoever wants to foster love learns to cover over an offense, learns to give grace, learns to just move on, learns to quit bringing it up. Some of your marriages have been stuck because you have been reliving the broken thing from seven years ago every single time you try to talk. And God is just wanting you to move on. Allow the bitterness to be released. uh, Allow the forgiveness to flow. And believe that this spouse is a different person because of the grace of God and the work of God in their lives. And begin to speak differently about them. Not repeating the matter over and over and over again. Less talk sometimes is one of the most godly things you and I can do. You don't know how many times a week I repeat this Proverbs 17.28 even a fool thought wise, if he keeps his mouth shut. A lot of times it's internally. I'm just like, I don't need to say it. I'm thinking it, but I don't need to say it. I have an idea, but I don't need to express it. And I think that, that, that this would go a long ways just to start this process of taming the tongue. Use less words. So far, so good. You hate this message, don't you? You're like... <laughs> All right, number two is this, purify your heart. James, at the end of this passage, is really interesting. He's like, hey, we praise our Lord and Father, and we curse people with the same tongue. How can this be? How can, how can, how can fresh water flow from a salt spring? Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. So if, if what's coming out is gross... Jesus is like, that's because there's gross inside you. There's corruption inside you. Corruption comes out of you. Salt water in you. Salt water comes out of you. Thorns inside you. Thorns come out of you. Hurt inside you. Hurt comes out of you. Pain and insecurity. Insecurity is one of the biggest causes of bad use of words. Trying to prove myself that I would be noticed, that I'd be loved, that I'd be accepted. There's a pain inside you that, that, that you're trying to make up for with your words. And that word then becomes kind of a, an expression of the hurt, the pain, the insecurity, the bitterness, the anger, the fear. Maybe it's anxiety that's ruling your heart. And, and that anxiety becomes the thing you talk about. How hard things are, bad things are what, what might happen, where life might go, where our world might happen, in the country, and all these things that might happen. And, and all you're rehearsing and talking about is all of this saltiness that's deep, deep, deep inside you. So we start this process with using less words. It's a very surfacey beginning point. The second point, though, is so important that you and I begin to do the deep work of what's really in here. Am I being healed? Am I being changed? Am I being set free? Are my addictions not ruling my 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 life and my decisions? Am I being Am I being less and less insecure and more and more confident in who God says I am and what he thinks about me, less determined and and driven by what my my parents said about me or what those people think about me and more and more confident in what God has already declared over me, the love he has for me, that I I don't need to have this salt water brewing inside me constantly. I can be a changed person, so can you. That we can become a different kind of people that actually come with our words from a totally different place. Not just manufactured, white-knuckling, but actually transformed inside of us. And I think that this is the hard work that the Spirit longs to do in us, that we would not be content with just kind of managing our words, but, but, but actually saying, God, I want you to change my heart. Think about gossip and slander. It's this judgment of another person that you feel entitled to share with other people. That is pride. That is a heart piece that has to change. That you have made a determination about a person or their motives, what they did or didn't do, maybe not knowing all the circumstances or the fact about it, and now you feel so obligated to talk about it that you're spreading poison around you, slander. This is what's killing your workplace. Everybody else is talking about the boss, so I'm going to jump in there. Everybody else is talking about this. Uh, they're all bashing their, their spouse, so I'm going to do the same thing. And for us to recognize, man, there is something deep inside of us that God wants to do. There is, there is a place of healing that he wants to bring and transformation that he wants to bring inside you so that what comes out of you is different. See, at this point in the conversation is where you kind of should feel like overwhelmed by this conversation. Uh, I have so much inside of me, Richie. I got hurt. I got bitterness. I got anxiety. Uh, this is what drives us to Jesus. This, this sense of overwhelmness is why we come together on a weekend. This is why we get connected in a group, because we need Jesus to change us, to make us different. We are dependent on a supernatural God, not on our own self-made living. We are dependent on the creator and sustainer of life, the one that breathed life into your being into your existence the one that knit you together in your mother's womb we are dependent on him to 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 bring about this kind of change and transformation in us and that is the kind of people that we are a desperate dependent people you are not a self-righteous indignation kind of figured out and all on our own type people we are people desperate for jesus to do a miracle in our lives amen and we, we, we come to him in these places going, God, you got to do something supernatural in me. I gossip. I slander. I, I hurt people with my words. We have to be really clear about this and go, man, salt water is coming out of me. Where is that coming from? This is why close friends are needed. This is why intimacy in your marriage is, is needed. Just to be able to go, hey, where's that coming from? Why do you feel the need to always defend yourself? Why, why are you so, so anxious with your words all the time? Not an attack, but an opportunity to go below the surface. Go, what's really going on inside me? What does God want to change inside me? This is how you purify your heart. So as we're thinking about taming the tongue, start with less words. Then begin to do the deep work in relationship with people in your life of purifying your heart. And then number three, I think, is, is super practical in this conversation. Was that we would learn to honor with our words. This is where you get proactive. Remember I said earlier that your words have the power of life and death. is what scripture teaches us, that you have an opportunity with your words. It's really what you have. Am I going to bring the best with my words, or am I going to tear down with my, life, my words? Am I going to build up my marriage, build up my family, build up my kids, build up my boss, or am I going to tear down and destroy and harm When you and I begin to learn to honor is when we have an opportunity to sound different, look different, sound more like Jesus than the rest of the world. You think about Jesus' posture with his father, constantly honoring his father constantly giving attention to how good is God, how good God is, how good his Father is, how loving he is, how kind he is. He, Jesus is constantly bringing glory and honor. People are always looking at Jesus, and he's directing their gaze to his Father in heaven. He's always helping people to realize how good God is and how loving he is. He came to earth in this posture to serve, to make God known, to make who he really is. They knew religion. They knew kind of a, a form of godliness, but they didn't know the love of God. And so Jesus comes in this sacrificial way, in this posture of servanthood to help people see God in a light that they had not seen. They had seen maybe kind of a a harsh God who judges them and, and only cares about the rules because of the way the religious leaders had portrayed God. Jesus had to bring a different picture. And I think about this. He did this through honor. He did this by by helping people to look to God in the way that God really is. And you and I have an opportunity to be proactive with our words, to go, oh, I'm going to learn to honor. Romans 12, verse 10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight, take delight, take delight in honoring each other. The ESV says, uh, the other translation of Scripture says, I want you to outdo one another in showing honor. If you're more competitive in the room, uh, I'm going to win this game. Outdo one another in showing honor. Take delight in bringing honor to each other. This passage in Romans 12, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's describing this is what it really looks like to be a follower of Jesus. The heading is called the marks of a true Christian. And it's in this passage that he says, I want you to learn to honor. I want you to take great delight in honoring each other, not be so consumed with criticizing and critiquing and and, and having an opinion about everything. But I want you to learn what, what builds up, what edifies, what brings life, what brings encouragement, what brings inspiration, what brings hope to people. I want you to begin to identify what's praiseworthy about people. I think about our marriages in this conversation so much because, like, you know your spouse more than anybody else. Of course you can find critiques with them. You see them at their worst. And it's so easy and it's so lazy to just get focused on their weaknesses and talk about their weaknesses and critique their weaknesses. And it's so important for us to just go, whoa, what is praiseworthy about my spouse? And what can I identify and speak to and speak out and speak in faith? Even if you don't see it yet or it's like a hint of something awesome in there, you're like, "Eh." speak it out. Your your, your words have the power of life. And and to bring that hope and bring that honor of like what could be about them is so essential for us to recognize and go, wow, they, they have so much and begin to give that to them as a gift in a sentence, in a phrase. Even this, I was thinking about God is working in everyone around you. He's at work all the time. And one of the issues, I I think, with our words is this, is that we're always kind of looking and thinking about ourselves and what, what we want and where we're at. And for us to be intentional about honor requires us to look at others and to look at what God is doing in them. And I think this is probably one of the most powerful things you could ask somebody. You could make a statement. You've changed what's different what's God been doing in you? you you may not be able to put your finger on it but you can just recognize God is clearly at work in this this person's life you've changed might be one of the most encouraging things you could ever say to somebody why because in their head all they can think about is how they haven't changed how, how messed up they still are how, how much of a rut they're still in and, and how broken they still are. And they need somebody to see the work of God in their life. And you can make a decision to go, something's different about you. What's changed? What has God done? What is he doing? I love that. And to begin to speak about that and honor that and celebrate that in them. And, and bring a sense of courage to them to keep going. Thing God, God wants to do something special through us as a people. You've been called by God out of darkness, out of your old life. You've been set into a new way of living for a reason. That you and I have been placed in Spokane for a reason. We've been given our workplaces, our neighborhoods, we've been given our kids, our families, even our crazy extended families. We've been given all of them for a reason. And so for us to recognize I'm put here on purpose. I'm not here to just get through this workday or just get past this weekend. I'm here for, for, for God to do something through me. And for you and I to live empowered this way is so important because as Jesus people, we recognize that he wants to get his love and his grace through us to those that we're in relationship with. So the more sensitive we are to his leading and the more willing we are to be used to honor, to celebrate, to, to really bring these words of encouragement and affirmation to those that we are around is so essential. In a culture of massive dishonor where everybody tears apart everything they, don't dis- they disagree with. We could be a different people, a peculiar people, a people that look different sound. We could actually be a city on a hill, a light that shines in a dark place. The darkness that surrounds you at work is your invitation from God himself to go, I want you to speak up and bring some life. I want you to bring some honor. When everybody's tearing down your boss for you to go, yeah, yeah, but but, but this, I, I want you to bring that light into those dark places. And for us to live with this kind of empowerment is so important in this conversation. I know I started by saying, talk less. That'll do most of us a lot of good. But I want you to be intentional about going, okay... What heart change do you want to do, God, in my heart? What, what kind of things do you want to bring fresh water? I, I, I want you to make me a different person. I want you to bring this, this change out of me and then learn to honor. Use words of honor to be thoughtful, intentional about connecting and seeing and understanding what God is up to in those people's lives around you and to bring these words of life. So This is what makes us Jesus' people. This is why James is so straightforward in this passage. Because he's writing to a people that are in the kind of the main city, the main hubbub of of Jesus' church. And some of them have gotten kind of lazy. And so James is just like kind of, you know, punched to the nose over and over and over through this passage. He's trying to wake people up to go, hey, you are an amazing called-by-God people. You have so much potential. Don't just waste it away being like everybody else. Be the people that God has called you to be. Be different. Be Jesus people. Walk Jesus way. Talk Jesus way. Listen. Be gracious. Be forgiving. Be be empowered to bring this honor the way Jesus brought honor. For you and I to see this as a sense of opportunity for us, I think helps in me to go, all right, I am desperate, God, for you to do a miracle, for you to do something transformational in me through this conversation. I want God to be who you've called us to be. I think about us as a church. We've been, some, a lot of you are new. You know, we've been through a lot the last 12 years, and it's awesome what God has done over the last 12 years. Think about the Yoders and their family and what God has done raising them up, now getting to send them out. Think about the thousands of people we've gotten to baptize. You know, all that could continue to be awesome, continue to grow. But it takes a real sense of responsibility from each of us to go, hey, am I, am I going to be unified and honoring in my heart towards what God has done, is doing, wants to do here? We have an opportunity even just right here. You have an opportunity in your marriage. You have an opportunity in your kids' lives, your school, your sports team. My prayer is that we would just be people that go, yeah, God, I know that you want to do some change in me. Think about those of you in the room that have yet to surrender to Jesus. This change starts at this recognition that God made you for a purpose. That purpose is to be in relationship with Him so that He can lead you to the places, to the people that He wants to lead you to. But to be connected with God requires something, that you're perfect. Perfect. Every single one of us falls short of that standard. That's why God sent his son, Jesus, to live sinless and perfect, to substitute his perfection for all of your imperfection, so that anyone that would put their faith in Jesus Christ could recognize that when Jesus went to the cross, he went there on our behalf. The Bible says that he who knew no sin actually became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's by His grace that you and I have an opportunity to be free from all of our imperfection, all of our sin, all of our shame and guilt, to be made right with God. It takes a repentant heart. I'm done trying to make purpose for myself. I'm done trying to lead this life. I need a Savior. I need to be healed. I need to be transformed. God, I am yours. When Jesus came out of that grave, He was there three days. When he came up resurrected from the dead he declared victory over your sin over death you no longer have to fear death you no longer have to be ruled by sin that you can be filled with the spirit of God and empowered to live for his purposes you couldn't be empowered to tame your tongue to live a life of honor so my prayer is that every heart here would surrender to Jesus that every one of us respond to his prompting in our life. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Just invite the Holy Spirit to speak. Some of you, it's just a simple word that he's giving you is to repent. Do that. Lord, I need you. I can't save myself. I need your hope and purpose. Some of you just recognize the salt inside you, the brokenness, the pain, the hurt, the bitterness, the anxiety, whatever it is, the insecurity that's been driving your words. You're just inviting the spirit right now to bring healing. You feel desperate. Just, just tell him that. God, I need a mirror. I need healing. I need freedom. Maybe on your note card, you're jotting down what God's saying, or in your phone, or maybe you're just opening your hands to Him right now, just in response. Would you stand to your feet today with me in real life? I'd love to pray with you. Our team will be up here in a moment as we wrap up the service. If you need prayer about anything at all, pastors, elders, leaders, we'd love to pray with you. If you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time today, baptism is your next step. We'd love to talk to you about that. Help you take that step just like Leo did today. We'd love to celebrate with you. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, you're so good. You know every heart here you know every pain every everything we've said you know yeah God you love us you haven't quit loving us so God we just just humble ourselves before you again right now we run to you ask God for a miracle in us the wisdom to use less words The grace, God, to bring honor, encouragement, and life with our words, God. For those, God, that feel particularly just pressured by this conversation, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to just bring a sense of hope to their heart right now. That you can, will, want to change all of us. You have the power. Thank you. You are our healer, you are our strength. You are our life, so God, we just give you ourselves. We thank you for today. In your name, Jesus, amen.